What is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome to another edition of the Mafia Mavens podcast, a podcast all about the Buffalo Bills from an all-female perspective. We are nine and three, baby. It is unbelievable that we have come this far in a season where most predicted us to only win four to six games at most. What I want to do before we start with the meat and potatoes, as you will, of our podcast, is read some tweets from the national media that are now jumping on the bandwagon because of the Dallas Bills game last night. What do you say, Robin? Sound good? I'm up for it. All right. Let's dig in because this is good stuff. Okay. Stephen A. Smith. He's a pretty well-known critic of the Bills, I'd say. I'd say. And he said, Bills QB Watch had put this tweet out. Josh Allen can drill that football, hit it into tight spaces. He's making good decisions. He has taken a lot of heat. To be as young as he is, good size, great arm strength with the ability to run. I like him. I think he's got a lot of promise. Well, Stephen, I think we're with you. We think he's got a lot of promise, too. And we've been saying that for the last two years. Isn't that right? Absolutely. To anybody that would be willing to listen. (laughs) Now, Big Cat from Barstool Sports. We know how they feel. Aren't they Patriots fans at Barstool? Or some of them are Patriots fans? I think so. Well, Big Cat says, Josh Mother F and Allen. Yeah, I said that probably a few times last night. (laughs) Another one, Bill's QB Watch. I love their tweets because they they have the best tweets on Josh Allen out there. It was on Fox Sports on Josh Allen's fourth down conversion. That was the game in a microcosm. I'm bigger than you. I'm more physical than you. I'm more tougher than you mentally. How about it? And that's the play that I think is one of those plays that will define Josh Allen's career. That's a career-defining play where he picked up the ball with a bunch of players and their helmets and their scramble. He just picks it up and then still fights for more yardage and gets the first down on fourth and inches on a huge play. Robin, you were talking a little bit ago about Cam Newton when you saw that play of Cam Newton where he just kind of was like, uh... Uh, he looked at the ball and then kind of was like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. But Josh, on the other hand, had the wherewithal to not only look at the ball, recognize it, pick it up, and in his mind's eye, say to everybody on the defensive line, stop me. Absolutely. I am going to get this first down. And he talked about it in his press conference afterwards in terms of, how at that moment he knew he screwed up when he fumbled the snap and he took responsibility. I mean, right then, right there, it was like, okay, I screwed this up. I'm going to fix it. And fix it, he did. Yes, and that's big on a big stage. Yep. And then you have Skip Bayless, who I'm not a huge fan of because he's another Bills hater in the, in the national media, in my opinion. And here's what he says. Congratulations to Josh Allen and the 9-3 and Bills for a statement Thanksgiving win at Dallas. The Bills are just better than the Cowboys and better coached. Yeah, I agree with you, Skip, 100%. After watching that game, 100%, I agree. I just had to look at Jason Garrett's face. It said it all by the end of the game. <laughs> um, Absolutely. 
or Jerry Jones. The funniest part was when the camera panned on Jerry Jones and he had his face in his hands. And I know Del Reed from 26 Shirts had that on his avatar. And I laughed because I think they should make a shirt out of it. I really do. That shirt would sell like hotcakes. I'd buy one. I'd buy one. Might buy two. I would absolutely buy one. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you what, too. Living in Eagles country, that shirt would get so much praise out here. <laughs> it certainly would. All right. And then we have Bucky Brooks. He says, after watching Josh Allen today and Lamar Jackson on Monday, I wonder how the 2018 QB list will look like at the end of 2019. Allen and Jackson have exceeded expectations and led their team to significant wins. That's what it's all about, right? Yes, that's absolutely what it's all about, Bucky. You got it right. You got it right, Buck. It's interesting how things have evolved over the course of this season in terms of you know they're going to compare all these five quarterbacks against each other all the time. It's just it's just what we do. And week to week things start changing. I do want to say, you know, people are forgetting Darnold has also had a pretty good few games as well. So the class of 2018 is continuing to make its presence known. It is probably better than what most people had expected from them. Absolutely. And, you know, Baker Mayfield, the Browns are getting their act together as well. This is starting to get to be a very interesting time of year. It's fun because it's, you know, you think about the early 90s when there was Jim Kelly and Dan Reno and John Elway, and that's what you want. You want competitive quarterbacks playing all in the AFC because that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it interesting to watch. When and teams are more evenly matched and it's not such a parody all the time, that's what you want. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I remember some of us old farts can, can remember the Kelly Marino years, and it was a rivalry that was – a lot of fun to watch. I certainly miss them. I remember those days. And then the last tweet that I'm going to read is from Pardon My Take. They tweeted out the video of the Josh Allen touchdown where he ran it in. And they said, imagine not drafting Josh Allen. And that is so <laughs> big compared to what the media has been saying since he came into the NFL about he's inaccurate. He's just not a good quarterback. He doesn't make good decisions. He has arm strength, but he can't rein it in. And now all of a sudden the tables have turned and everyone's on the Josh Allen bandwagon. And I say, Hey, let them come on the bandwagon. I don't care if they're on the bandwagon. That's great. But keep in mind people that you did trash him just a few weeks back. As long as you remember that and you can admit that you were wrong, I'm fine with it. But don't suddenly act like you were on his team the entire time because that's just not how it works. No, and I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback more polarizing is probably the best word I can think of. A year before the draft, people were coming out with these really varying degrees of animosity about Josh Allen and whether or not he would make it or not make it in professional football. And most people know who are on Twitter. I was a staunch Josh Allen defendant. And I think I tried to be fair-minded in terms of, I saw what he was like at Wyoming. Mm -hmm. You know, he had clown feet. His mechanics were terrible. But I also saw this guy that had that 
it thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to put it into words. That's why we call it an it thing. But Josh Allen has it in spades. Yeah. And now everybody is starting to see what we could see in him even early on in his career at Wyoming. This kid is not a quitter. No. He is a different breed of cat. And I'm happy to see that the national media is kind of coming around and, and so on. You know, even some of our local media folks weren't totally on board with Josh when he was drafted. It was everybody was really in the Josh Rosen camp for the most part. <laughs> but as he started to show these traits, as Josh Allen started to show these these traits that he has in terms of his personality and how he can affect a team on the field, lead a team on the field. I have to tell you, I haven't seen that in a quarterback since Jim Kelly. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to compare him to Jim Kelly. He's got a long way to go. But even Jim Kelly, you can tell that Jim Kelly is behind Josh Allen. You see him in videos. Did we ever see him doing videos with Trent Edwards? No. Or EJ Manuel? No. You know, we didn't. And that's because I think Jim Kelly, knowing quarterbacks, he reserved himself because he wanted, it was like, you got to show me. Well, I think Josh has shown him that he could become the next franchise quarterback for the Bills, the best one since Jim Kelly. He does have that potential. He's not there yet. But you can see all the elements that are there in him in terms of that leadership, that swag, that same way that Jim Kelly used to come out on a field and he would will that team to win. Mm -hmm. And that is what makes Josh Allen who he is. You're right. And the last thing I really want to say to the national media and even some of the local media is it's a damn shame that it took you this long to realize what real Bills fans who watch constantly have seen the past two years and the progress that Josh Allen has made. But we also welcome you with big open arms onto the bandwagon. It's Josh Allen, baby. Oh, heck yeah. You know, I live in, in Wyoming, as most people know, and this is Broncos country. And of course, after the Bills beat the Broncos, that was interesting enough. But my text started lighting up again yesterday and now a lot of people that I know are hopping on the bandwagon. They took one look at Josh. And I do have to laugh and say, I take every single opportunity I can to rag on Broncos fans about the fact that John Elway passed on Josh Allen when he thought Paxton Lentz was his future. All right. So a lot of podcasts, they're probably going to be doing the X's and O's and talking about the plays of certain players and how this one did and how that one did. But I'm here to talk about emotions and feelings, guys. I'm sorry. I have to bring it here because I want to know, how does it feel as a Bills fan to be 9-3 and three for the first time since, what, 1996? Robin, how does it feel for you? Oh, this could take a while. Um, 1996, that is a long time. You and I had a conversation before we recording this podcast, and you brought up the word weird. And I think it's probably the best word I can think of to describe how I feel today, because this is the culmination of everything that I've always wanted 
since we lost the four Super Bowls in terms of a coach, a general manager, a promising quarterback, a team that plays together, the philosophy, the culture, all of that is all kind of coming together right now. And I have to kind of pinch myself. I, I literally do in terms of saying, okay, we're nine and three. Everybody around the country is saying, yeah, but you haven't played anybody. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but. Well, yesterday the yabbits yeah, got put to sleep. Yeah, but the Cowboys are six and six. Fine. But this was a game that was huge absolutely huge and so many levels for the Bills' confidence and psyche as a team. And they came out and they delivered and they delivered in a big way. And I believe that this is just the beginning of what we are going to see happen like we did in the late 80s when everything all started coming together and the team started looking like a team. Do I think that we're headed for four Super Bowls in a row? No, I don't know. I have no idea what the future is going to bring, but I can tell you the feel is very similar to the way that it was in the late 80s. But at the same time, look at, okay, 1988, whatever, you know, that was so many years ago. And what have we had over the last 20 years? Abject despair. Every permutation that you can think of in terms of how we could lose, we've lost. And now... Everything is all starting to come together. So yeah, it feels very surreal to me. It does in a way. And it's not so much that I'm in disbelief, but I feel like the Bills have humbled me because I don't feel like I want to go out there and trash talk teams. And you know why? I think it's because I feel so grateful for what this front office and what these players have brought to this team. And I kind of am just all caught up in my emotions and feelings of feeling thankful to finally have a team that has their shit together. And so it doesn't make me want to go out and trash talk. It makes me just want to, you know, swallow up all of this goodness coming from the Bills organization right now. And I love it. You know, I even saw, I think when they were getting on the plane to go to Dallas, Kim Pagula cooked the team cookies. She baked cookies for the team. Yep. How many owners do you see doing that? There's a different feel. And, you know, Cole Beasley said, it, it's about brotherhood, but we actually embody that because we are together all the time. The coaches are with us all the time. Our wives are friends. Our kids play together. He said, I don't know how many other organizations are actually really like that, but it's different here. And he said, that's why I want to play here until the wheels fall off. That is so huge. And yesterday, when I was reading some stats, you know, about how Josh Allen is improving, how Ed Oliver has really come on the last three games as well, everything is starting to click for all these young players. And it actually made me tear up because a lot of times they were comparing these players to the players of the 90s. Ed Oliver has been the only defensive player to record sacks in three games since Daryl Talley. Right. That's that's a huge name to be referenced with. It is. And if you think about it, a lot of references are going back to the Super Bowl era in terms of records that are being established now. And that's because we've had 20 years of abject misery. And it's like our team basically went into cold storage for 20 years. And we're kind of, you know, coming out of it now. I do have one other thing that I would like to add to that because I think it 
it's a big reason why I think we're starting to see everything come together. And that has to do with mostly my guest, Kim Pagula, because I believe her vision for ownership includes, as you pointed out, cookies, but taking care of players, not just so they can go out on the field and produce, but so they can be as healthy and happy as they can be. When you put together an $18 million facility like they have with trainers and massage therapists and yoga and nutritionists and all of these people in one place, it shows these players that ownership really cares about them. They've repeatedly said it over and over again when they're asked about the new facility, you know, that it's like nothing they've ever seen before. This is cutting edge. The Bills are doing something that I don't think any other team is doing in quite the same way in terms of having all of this comprehensive care available in one place. And I think it's making a huge difference. And it's it's actually, I think, changing the perception of the organization on the part mm-hmm. of players. Because you know that players talk. You know, it's like, oh, you want to go to that team, this team, you know, they'll treat you this way, they'll treat you that way. Buffalo is now getting a reputation of, oh, yeah, you want to go there and play because they will pay you and they will take care of you. The fact of the matter is they set out to change the culture and they've done just that. Yep. And that's the biggest part of it. And I don't care about those people who say culture doesn't matter. Well, the Bills would not be sitting at nine and three in the media spotlight being praised right now if culture didn't matter. Yeah. And, and again, it goes back to the, something that I, I talk about in terms of psychobabble all the time. The goal is that the whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts. And if you look at the Dallas Cowboys and you look at the Buffalo Bills and you just compare their rosters, especially on offense, you know, there's not a lot of big names Mm-mm. per se, But what happens is Sean McDermott has figured out the formula. You know, he always talks about having players with the right DNA and the right culture, the right environment to foster this type of camaraderie that exists that, frankly, I I think the only team that I saw that with, in my opinion, was back when Chan Gailey was coach and Stevie Johnson was around with Fitz and Freddie Jackson. They had that kind of chemistry. Right. The goon squad. Yep. The goon squad, they were, they had that in spades, but you know, they didn't have a lot of talent on the other side of the ball. And they also, frankly, didn't have ownership the same way that we have ownership now. Mm-mm. And the commitment that ownership makes to these players now is unsurpassed. Yeah. I agree hundred percent with everything you've said. And I'm so thankful for it. So for Thanksgiving. As far as the Bills are concerned, I'm just thankful for the entire organization. Bottom to top, top to bottom. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's move on a little bit to Josh Allen because he had his coming out game last night. And he had it in front of a crowd averaging 
32.5 million viewers. Buffalo Dallas was actually the most watched Thanksgiving Day game on CBS in 27 years. So lots of people across the nation were viewing Josh just destroy the Cowboys, who had, I think, the sixth-ranked defense coming into the game. I just want to say there, too, it was a big audience for sure. And Josh, again, getting back to him, this was his first time going to that kind of stage. Many of these other guys have had, you know, the primetime games in college. Big, huge audience. Josh has never done that before. This is his first time, and it wasn't too big for him. It wasn't. And guess who talked about that on their most recent podcast? Who? Oh, it was me and you. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of people were actually scared that Josh Allen's nerves were going to be too big and he would lose the game. And we both said, we think he's going to be calm, cool, and collected as he's been the last few weeks. He's going to take command of the offense and he's going to do just fine. And he did more than fine. He actually exceeded my expectations. Big time. He exceeded my expectations too. And I've watched him, you know, this is like fourth year, almost fifth year. I've saw part of his sophomore year at Wyoming and uh, the step you and I talked about this earlier that he's taken in the last three games is really apparent. You know, back after the Browns game, I think we had a conversation about how he needed to take that next step. Well, he did it in spades yesterday and he took over that game. I mean, he literally took over that game. On that fourth down that he converted, you could just feel the air completely go out of the stadium. Well, and that's my next question. What is the difference in Josh Allen the past three games, starting with Miami, moving to Denver, and then the Dallas game, compared with the rest of the season or even last year? What's the difference in him? You know, I think I've read this, and I, and I tend to agree. When he lost that game to the Patriots, I think that there was a a come-to-Jesus meeting that he had with himself in his mind in terms of the turnovers and the sloppy play and the frustration that he had because even though he made a lot of mistakes, the Bills still could have won that game. Mm -hmm. And I think he really took that on himself to realize that, okay, the time for rookie mistakes is over. Now it's time for you to suck it up, do your job, and focus on doing it really, really well. Instead of trying to just take everything in all at once, just take things one step at a time. And you see him from the Miami game to the Denver game to the Dallas game, recognizing defenses better. Mm-hmm. You see the ball coming out of his hands better. You see him being much more judicious about how he's running with the ball. His accuracy, which has always been a knock on him. Man, he laid some balls in there yesterday that just made me go, whoa. And it's not just even like the distance and and that sort of thing. It's the correct arc and the touch. The placement. Yeah, the placement that he's putting on the ball now is, is much better than it was. His mechanics are into his muscle memory. You know, earlier before this three-game streak, you could you still see him regress. I think he probably will regress. I mean, let's remember, this is one game. He's going to have a terrible game before he retires again. So that's going to happen. But what we did see was a coming out party. Absolutely. And now he has the confidence that he can go forward knowing in his mind, because it's always there, 
can I really do this at the NFL level? You know, can I really do this at the NFL level? Well, he answered that question yesterday. Yes, you can, Josh. Mm-hmm. And do it well. And be a star. I think he has star potential. He's not there. He's got, you know, he's got a lot of work to do, but he's got star potential. Lots of it. And the thing is, too, I know that Josh Allen knows that he was drafted to be the franchise quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. We all know that. He knows that. But I think these past couple games, he's actually starting to feel like a franchise quarterback. And that's kind of all in your mind. We've always known that the potential was there with Josh Allen to do the things that he's been doing the past few weeks. But it takes someone and a quarterback and an athlete to overcome the obstacles in their mind to start playing that way. And like I said last week, he's very coachable. Yes. Again, that's in the mind. Yes. He's putting everything together in his head. And now he's starting to just scratch the surface of his potential because I'm telling you, I think his ceiling is way higher than a lot of people even expected. And that's a wonderful thing to feel as a Bills fan. Boy, it sure is because we've waited a long time. Extremely long. And I'm just so, so proud of this kid that went out, played his heart out, and really made very few mistakes, made some great decisions, put the ball where it needed to be. And he was just very aware the entire game, you know, kind of aware of clock management, aware of the defense. I saw him. Um, there were, you know, a few times here and there that he missed protection, sure. But overall, he called the right protection a lot because it resulted in positive plays. And it's just mm-hmm. something that we haven't seen in a quarterback, like you said, probably since Jim Kelly, maybe Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, Doug Flutie was a great, you know, was a great quarterback. But I, I'm more referring to a guy that we draft on our own and grow on our own when we were talking earlier. But absolutely. And this is the thing that, I think many fans are hesitant to jump in and say, "Oh good. No, now we're going to you know, we're on our path. We've got everything." The resistance that we have is there because of the 20 years of abject misery. But it's okay, and this is the message I keep telling myself this, it's okay for you to really feel like this is it. We really are getting out of the black hole. We really do have a bright future. We really shouldn't go and assume the worst all the time because I don't think the worst is ahead of us. I think the worst is behind us for the foreseeable future. I love how you put that. That's actually perfect. I think you're absolutely right. I think we weathered the storm for all these years and now the storm's behind us and we have a bright future. And a lot of money to spend. (laughs) And lots of money. We need that big green. That's going to help next year. Make us even better. All right. The final thing that I would like to discuss is the upcoming Ravens game. So this is going to be huge. I mean, I think this is going to probably be the game of the week, in my opinion, because this could be a potential playoff matchup you're looking at right here. Uh, The San Francisco Ravens game that's playing on Sunday is going to be very interesting for Bills fans to watch. Right. It is because if San Fran somehow is able to beat the Ravens with a good plan, I think the Bills will take that blueprint and probably run with it for the following week. But here's my question. How differently are we looking at this Ravens game 
now that the Bills pretty much manhandled the Cowboys in Dallas on a national level. Big time different. I'll use myself as an example. Up until the Dallas game, it was like Ravens, oop, that's a loss. You know, that the Ravens are playing lights out. And there's no doubt they right now, I think, have, well, they and the 49ers have the biggest momentum going for themselves at this point. But after watching the Bills play against Dallas and come out and play in such a convincing way, you know, if, if the Bills just barely won the game or, or Josh didn't play lights out like he did, I wouldn't necessarily have had any change in my feeling. But I feel like, and I truly think, the Bills have a legitimate chance to beat the Ravens. It is a possibility, whereas a week ago I would have thought, no way. I agree, because I've chalked that up to a loss, especially the way the Ravens have been blowing out teams as of late and how good the overall team is in general. They have a great offense and a great defense. But I think, upon further review, (laughs) that the Bills are actually more closely matched with the Ravens than I thought. They both have athletic quarterbacks that can throw the ball, that can run. They have decent running backs. They have good defenses. So, you know, I'm not seeing too much of a difference between the two teams other than the fact that the Ravens have an outstanding offensive line. And I think that's where the battle will be won, in the trenches there. If the Bills can somehow get past that offensive line, that's how I think the Bills are able to beat the Ravens. So I'm actually looking really, really forward to this game. It's going to be exciting. And the other thing is, win or lose, as long as the Bills don't get blown out, I don't think this game should really sway anyone's opinions of the team in either direction. Unless, of course, we come in and, you know, at home and we blow the Ravens out, then, of course, that's going to set us up a bunch of notches. But Really, because they're so evenly matched, I think it should just be a close game either way. I agree. And there's one stat that that I found kind of surprising because I think this is what the media does. You know, Lamar is everybody's media darling right now. But when I found out that Josh Allen actually has eight rushing touchdowns this season and Lamar only has six at this point in time, I thought to myself, hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Our quarterback's pretty good at, at doing that same sort of thing. It's, he's just not as flashy about it. And I think the teams are better matched than originally thought. You know, a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have said that. But now I think that the confidence level that the Bills have, I think they're, they're, they're ready for this. And it's going to make two things. It makes a huge difference. The Bills have a couple extra days to prepare for this game. And they're playing at home. And you can never rule out Bills Mafia. Can you imagine what the stadium's going to sound like? I think the Bills fans are going to go absolutely apeshit. Every single Bills fan that has season tickets better be at that game because it's going to be a big one and we need the crowd. So I want to see Bills fans on their feet for the entire game being quiet on offense and being super loud on defense. That's what we need. I don't want anybody in the stadium to come home with a voice left. Absolutely. I agree. Let's cheer those boys on because they feed off of it. Look at Jordan Phillips always riling up the crowd. They love this. They absolutely love it. Do you have anything else to add before we wrap up here? 
Oh, I think we've said enough for now. I think we did too. I could just go on forever, to be honest, but we'll keep it short because I think people like those half hour podcasts. (laughs) So before we go, let's do our giveaway. Last week, or actually just a few days ago, since we had this short week, we were giving away, courtesy of Jim Ruther, a signed 8x10 of Joe DeLamalore. And the winner of that photograph is Montana Semper Liberi. I think that's how you say it. But it's at Y-A-K-I-N-E-E-R on Twitter. So congratulations on that win. You'll have to get with Jim in order to receive your picture. And for this week's giveaway, and we have a few extra days to get those listens in, we're going to give away a signed 8x10 of the one and only Stevie Johnson. How exciting is that? Whoa. What you have to do in order to be automatically entered to win, you have to follow the Mafia Mavens on Twitter, at the Mafia Mavens. You have to follow Jim Ruther, and that's at JimmyRoo81. And then... When we put the pin post up tonight, as soon as our podcast rolls out at midnight tonight, you have to send a screenshot listening to our most recent podcast and tweet it out to that pin post on our Twitter profile, and you'll be entered to win. So good luck with that. Also, make sure you're listening to all of the podcasts on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network because they're absolutely fantastic. You won't find a bigger, more diverse group of Bills fans coming together to make podcasts, and they're all so good. And in case you're wondering, here's who they are. Believe, Blitz Bills, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, The Nick and Nolan Show, Circling the Wagons, and of course, our own Mafia Mavens. As always, Bills fans, thanks for listening, and go Bills 9 and 3, baby. 9 and 3. 